0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition. Now, Federal has come out with a new turkey load called the Heavyweight TSS or the Heavyweight Tungsten Super Shot. Now, this is a tungsten alloy material and it's 18 grams per cubic meter centimeter density. Now what this means is, it is it's twenty 22% higher than standard tungsten and 56% higher than lead. So it is a, a very dense material and it has the ability to travel at high velocities and continue that velocity at longer distances. It has deadly patterning and it also has something called flight control flex and that is when that rear braking wad performs flawlessly through ported and standard turkey chokes so if you want to find out more information about the heavyweight tungsten super shot visit federalpremium.com and while you're there don't forget to check out their podcast and their blogs tons of great content What's up everybody, welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, I'm your host Dan Johnson and if this is the first time you have ever listened to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast you're in luck because I think it's a really good episode, hopefully everybody is having a great day living this quote unquote new normal that everybody talks about, it's not so new of a normal for me i'm home all the time anyway because i work from home uh the only thing is that my kids are home throughout the day they're not at school so that kind of creates a little bump in the road but uh yeah business as usual kind of for me uh the only thing is uh lately i wasn't able to go on my annual turkey hunt with my family that got canceled because my mom's a nurse but uh, today, we got Bob Polanek back on the show. And I would say it's a BS session, but we cover a lot of different things related to what's going to be happening this upcoming year with, uh, you know, hunting in Michigan. I'll be hunting in Michigan, Bob hunts in Michigan. Bob's gonna talk a little bit about his Nebraska, rut hunt that he goes on every year i'm going to kind of lay out my schedule for the fall as far as my mule deer hunt my michigan hunt and uh, the iowa whitetail hunt and uh, we just kind of talk a little strategy we talk about bob's <laughs> bob's i guess spending habits and how he kind of gets out of control when it comes to hunting gear and equipment uh, he does a lot of research though to back all that up but uh, he's has a problem with spending money for hunting gear and uh, we talk about that today Uh, amongst a whole amongst or whatever that word is we talk we talk about a lot of other things today among others right so today we got to talk about vortex optics right these guys are the title partner of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast and these guys make some kick ass equipment. I ta- actually I talk about it a little bit in the you know in the podcast today about vortex. but here's the thing. not only do they make great products, right? if you buy a vortex optics rangefinder, if you buy a pair of binoculars, a rifle scope, a spotting scope, a uh, rangefinder, I think I said that. You're getting a quality product. But on top of that, you are getting the backing of an entire army, right? So if your product breaks, right, there's no real question. You send it back to them and they fix it. Whether it comes damaged to you or you break it yourself, you send it in and they will replace it for free. Not to mention that the people that work for this company, Vortex, are participants in the market that they are trying to sell products in, right? So these guys are serious outdoorsmen, sportsmen, hunters, right? Uh, If uh, you like to shoot guns, these guys like to shoot guns, right? So Vortex Optics, a kick-ass company. I strongly recommend looking into it, vortexoptics.com. Take a look at all their products and uh, buy by Vortex Optics because you're getting a warranty. that's like it's for the life of the product, right? So uh, take advantage of that. All right, Bob Bob Polanik's not a slap dick. Let's get into today's podcast where we talk a whole bunch about everything. In three, two, one. Robert Polanik, what's up, man? Not too much Daniel Johnson. Daniel Keith Johnson. What's your what's your middle name? Andrew. Andrew. Robert Andrew. Did your mom oh, yeah. when when your mom got mad at you, did she yell at you like middle name style?
1: Oh yeah. All the time. Yeah. Daily.
0: Yeah. Same here. Don't do that to your brother. Yep. But you were Dude, the... I
1: remember one time I was the youngest, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude, there was one time. The last time you know when you get bigger than your mom? But <laughs> they kind of threaten you and you kind of just laugh at them like, yeah, like you're you just flex. a punk, like 13-year-old. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I was doing something. I don't I forgot what I was doing. I was just mouthing off to my mom, saying something like, yeah. you can't hurt me or I'm bigger yeah. than you or something like that. You know, just being a punk 13-year-old, 14-year-old. I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. She bum-rushed me. <laughs> and she, she's like 5'2", like little – little lady, yeah. she bum rushed me, threw me into the wall and like shoved me down into like where like the, um, the baseboard heater was and like, yeah, just like, and then like, like, like pushed off me and just walked away.
0: The dominant. Like, just like, yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Like I still got you. Like, like I brought you into this world. I'll take you out type of thing.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. I have a similar story yeah. and I'll share it right now. Um, you know, my mom would go to work and I would be at home. I don't know how old I was, you know, old enough to, you know, like old enough for her to go to work all day long and leave me in charge of my little brother. Right. And, uh, and my parents were divorced. So my, my dad would be at work and my mom would be at work and you know, I was past the age of babysitting. And obviously every day we had a list of chores that needed to be done. Right when I get home, I want by the time I get home, I want all these things done. And one day I didn't do shit. And mom came home and she goes, uh, uh, Why aren't these chores done? I said, I'll do, I'm going to my buddy's house. He, and he had a swimming pool and there were girls there, so that's why I was gonna go. And uh, um, she said, ah, No, you're not going until all of your chores are done. You need to mow, you need to. Uh, You know, you need to mow the yard, you need to empty the dishwasher, you need to do the trash. You had all the time in the world to do this, and uh, it's not done, so you're not going anywhere. I'm like, (laughs) Mom, I don't think you understand. I'm going to leave this house right now, and I'm going to go over to his pool, and I'm going to go, and I'll be back later, and I do it. And... She goes, I don't think that's not how it works. Right. She really calm. Like she, she was in charge and I go, I'm sorry for swearing. So if there's kids listening, cover the ears. Right. I look at her and I go, you're being a fucking bitch, (laughs) which was the biggest mistake of my life. She stepped back and just punched me as hard as she could closed fist right in the chest. And, and of course I'm. I'm way bigger than her. She was tiny. She's always been tiny, way bigger than her. And, uh, I've, I've been bigger than her since, since fourth grade. Right. And she just right. drilled me so much. I felt like I had indigestion for like three days after that. <laughs> and after that, I'm like, yes, mom, I'll do whatever you want. Mom, can I get you something to drink? Can I rub your feet? Mom? Like uh, right. she put, she put a little fear in me with that move. And, uh, that was, uh, you know, one of those days where I look back now, I go, man, my mom was gangster.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. So. Uh, just little, just punk kids,
0: man. Yeah, punk kids. And, God, it sucks to say, but my kids are starting to turn into punk kids. And I'm I'm, I'm yeah. trying the best to be a good dad, but, man, there are times when Volcano Dad comes out.
1: Dude, I, I could not imagine being a parent sometimes. No. I mean, there's all the, all the joys that come with it, right? But right. gosh, when they get when they start mouthing off oh, and man. they just don't, I feel like there's an age where they just don't comprehend respect sometimes, right? And uh, and that they they owe it to you, yeah, but yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I got a I got a long road ahead of me, especially with my daughter. She thinks she's in charge right now, and. You know, there's some, there's some people, the way they deal with it is they say it once and they walk away. My daughter, I say it to her and then she, she chirps back at me and I'm just like, and I don't like getting talked back to. And it's probably a personal thing where I should have just said, you know, I should be like, okay, if you don't, if you don't do this, you're not going to get this dad. I don't have to do this, blah, 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 blah. And I just go right back at her. so it's just, it's just a lot of arguing and i just i refuse to lose the verbal battle which i should just accept loss in the verbal battle but win the ultimate war but i just i i go right back at her and uh that's probably a problem but i can't help it it's in my blood
1: there you go it's in your it's in your blood it's in her blood right that's right Yep. that's right yeah
0: well so dude uh turkey hunting how's your turkey season been so far
1: Man, it's been it's been pretty slow. Um, they're just not hearing a lot of a uh, lot of action out there. Haven't I've probably only gone three or four times. Um, still, we're kind of finally just getting done with uh, like a really late season cold snap. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I don't know how weather affects turkeys. I haven't been turkey hunting long enough. Um, but we've had snow. I mean, Saturday, Sunday, even Monday morning woke up to snow every morning so um kind of thinking that i had a buddy tell me that this time of year you can r- have probably more success from like nine thirty to noon than daybreak to 9 yeah so yeah um i have no idea
0: yeah actually so much- L- the michigan sportsman podcast on the network here did an episode where this guy who he's just he's a crazy turkey hunter and he was talking about how he's always found success after the initial hot morning streak gotcha so yeah dude um so just slow i mean have you have you been out long enough to like take advantage of that or or are you the kind of guy who's like well it's nine o'clock i'm done
1: it's been one of those things like i've i got stuff to do yeah so yeah about nine o'clock rolls around and i head back in um kind of get going with the day i've had a lot of yard work to do especially with the cold spring we've had i just haven't had um those warm weekend days to yeah. get stuff done so yeah just trying to get that done and i've got till the end of may so i'll keep at it but um on top of that it's really good trout fishing right now so that's always that's always calling as well. I got a I got a drift boat parked in my front yard that she starts mouthing off to me if I don't get her out on the river.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Um, now you told us in the last uh, one of the last times we were uh, chatting that you are equally as much of a fisherman as you are a whitetail hunter. So. That leads me to believe that turkey hunting will take a backseat if the fishing conditions are better.
1: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent.
0: Okay, yeah. Just yeah. I think I mean everybody I talk to. I I I'll take this back. I have talked to a couple people who are die-hard turkey hunters that they they straight up go ape ape crap about about turkey hunting like we do about you know, we do about, uh, whitetails, you know, they'll go to different States. They will use up vacation for Turkey hunting and do all these things while, you know, guys like me and you, you know, we're taking big game trips. We're bow hunting for whitetails and whatnot. So, you know, it's, uh, to each their own, but, uh, I just can't get into Turkey. Like I get into other things.
1: No, I I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's just like the, the reward, the payout um, isn't as, as much, I don't know. Yeah. You can say that with fishing, too, because yeah. I pretty much throw every fish back that I catch. So, yeah, uh, I don't know, but um, yeah, it's still fun. Man, I tell you what, it is nice to just wake up with the world, though. I it mean, is. it's it, it is. is it's beautiful in the spring, yeah. So,
0: I used to be when it comes when it would come to a if I only had to choose one, are you an afternoon hunter, you know, uh, or would you rather? you know sit in the woods as the sun goes down and wait for a deer to get out of their bed and start making moves or are you the guy who likes to you know experience the wake up morning get in early wake up with the world I used to be a afternoon guy but I am most definitely 100% a morning a morning guy now
1: I think I'm more excited in the morning oh yeah Um, I don't hunt as much in the morning as I do in the evening October I'm pretty much until about the last week of October, I'm pretty much evening sits only. Um, But I don't, the way I've always kind of looked at it is when you're, when you're hunting at night, like time runs out, right? (laughs) Hope, hope fades. And I can only, you know, you can only sit there and lie to yourself for so much that like any minute this could happen. Any minute this could happen. At some point you just run out of light or in the morning, you can just keep lying to yourself and to hunt all day if you really want to. So I don't know mornings, mornings have been, you know, what's crazy is mornings have probably been better action for me across the board, probably the last five years, but I've definitely killed more deer at night.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I'm trying to think back, uh, on the last handful of deer and see, let's see. evening, 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 Morning, evening, morning. So, out of all the what I would consider mature bucks that I've ever killed, um, let's see, I would say eighty percent of them are afternoon hunts. But it's also because I spend, I probably do more afternoon hunts throughout a year than I do morning hunts, except during the rut. Right? I'm in the, I'm in the timber every single day, so. So I want to I want to talk about that while we're on the subject. Um, ha, you mentioned you've seen success or, or you've seen more movement over the years in morning hunts. Why do you think that is? Hmm.
1: It's a great question. Um, well, so I'll say this: I don't know what it is. I have not been able to figure out why. But that farm that I hunt in Nebraska, and I own I only rut hunt it. I only hunt it, you know, first week of, first or second week of November. Um, you can see 20 to 30 deer in the morning, and then you might see anywhere from 2 to 5 at night. And it has been that way for, I've been hunting there since 2016. It's been that way every single year. The mornings, you see quadruple the amount of deer you see at night, and I
0: have no idea why. Is it a uh, stand location? I mean, are, are you setting up in spots trying to catch them come back to bed, as opposed to hunting that same that same tree stand? Given all the other conditions are the same, and letting them come out of the bed, or is it just they're moving through the property? At yeah, I mean, times? it's
1: all it's basically all bedding. Yeah, it's basically that's and that's probably I mean probably just answered my own question. Yeah, it really is all just bedding area. Um, so that's that's probably it. But still.
0: I wonder. I, I wonder why that is because, I. Uh, I feel like I feel like if you put yourself into, in the right position, you should see equal amount, right? Right, uh, unless it's a time of year where a buck decides to uh, you know stay in his bed or the deer are staying in their bed until right at last light, you know, then coming starting to make the move. But I would think that if you hunt a same, let's just say you're hunting a specific bedding area. And I have an example where I, you know, and I I see more deer in the mornings too than I do. Well, I shouldn't say that. I I bet you it's probably equal to me, but there are certain tree stands where I can see a doe group go into it during the rut and some bucks kind of cruise through the area. And then at night, let's say I come back and it's the same doe group coming out of the bedding area and then some other deer following them. You know what I mean? So yep. for me, I feel like it's typically the same. But if you're hunting a field edge or if you're hunting, like if you're hunting a, a bedding area, I would assume that you're you're hunting that bedding area in the after or in the mornings just because of access, right? The deer are already on their feet. They're already on their way back to the bedding area, which means you can get in there relatively. I guess this is all law of averages type talk right now right i mean i'm not sitting here saying that you know if i go into a betting area in the afternoon i'm gonna see him because i feel like you probably have a higher chance of of bumping them at that point
1: that's i mean you're spot on i i would probably say i'm more aggressive in the morning with my stand choices Mm -hmm. just because i can sneak in with the cover of darkness yeah um yep uh just for whatever yeah i don't press in and i kind of hunt more field edges in the evening as well just because of that whole food you know it's all ag out there so yeah hunting the field edges hunting the you know if it's standing corn or whatever or even beans even sometimes yeah i'll still i'll hunt that in the evening um and it's kind of just trying to keep pressure off and if i want to go in deeper in the morning so be it and then um I mean, a lot of times I'm I'm sitting till noon, and then I'm just moving around noon one o'clock to a, a field edge something like that. But yeah, Not yeah. Sure. In the same at the same time though, I killed both my bucks in the evening
0: out there this year. So yeah, what's the, Do you hunt the same in Michigan that you do in Nebraska? Like same way? Yeah, the same same strategy. Mm, I know the terrain. No. I know the terrain is a little different, but yeah.
1: What, no, it's um, I'm I'm way more aggressive in Michigan because I'm only here f- during October. Yeah, I'm only here till usually about like the 25th or 26th of October. So I kind of there's no like, oh, I'm gonna save this tree stand till November first. Nope, just hunt them all, hunt them, just hit them all because if I don't hit them, if I don't hunt a, cer- a certain area in October chances are I'm probably not even going to hunt it at all because by the time I get home from two weeks of rut hunting I'm just done hunting and on to steelhead fishing yeah so so yeah I'm usually pretty aggressive and um it's kind of I've had some encounter I've had a lot of encounters in October especially during like the October lull period um and I think that's probably because just throwing caution to the wind and not not worrying about blowing deer out or anything like that and I'm also not worried. I'm not trying to kill, you know, a four-year-old deer in Michigan. I'm usually trying to kill a, a respectable, you know, two and a half or three and a half-year-old deer. Yeah. So, in, in Michigan, it's for me. It's more. I run trail cameras all summer long. So it's what's the, what's the top buck or two around. Yeah. That, that's what I'm trying to kill. I'm not even worried about age or or antler size or anything like that.
0: So what's the? I mean, what's the deal? Are you uh, are you having encounters with those deer that you're catching on trail camera? Yes, yes. Yep. So yep. You've you've figured out your property to where you're going to have an encounter at some point in time with the uh, the quote unquote hit listers that you've put together.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes, I mean, last year I was at full draw, and man, I was probably one second away from launching an arrow and uh buck the wind swirled and i could feel it swirl and i don't i don't really like taking a 40 yard shot on a michigan whitetail they're just so skittish you're just asking for them to duck your arrow and to hit them high and um and i knew the wind was swirling and i could i was reading his body language and he was acting squirrely and i was at full draw on him for probably about eight seconds and he finally had, you know, he had stopped and he had moved that leg forward where it kind of opened up the kill zone. And, um, like I said, I was just about to shoot. And then he, he, uh, he took off, he got, he got my wind and, and took off. That was, I mean, that was just a situation last year. So yeah. I've had other experiences where I've had, you know, I've seen him at, you know, I had a cat and mouse game a couple of years ago where for like three days in a row, I'd hunt one stand. He'd come out a hundred yards away. I'd hunt that area and I was playing the wind. So he was never catching my wind and uh, the wind would shift the next day. So I'd hunt where the wind was in my, in my favor. And then he would come out where I was hunting the day before and did that three days in a row. And then I had to leave for um, a Midwest hunt. So never caught up with him and Hey, someone must have killed him because he never he never showed back up so
0: so would you say that the farm that you hunt is in a high pressure area
1: uh Nebraska or Michigan Michigan yeah i uh, yeah it is there's always there's always someone around there's there it, it butts up to public land as well so okay. and i'll I'll walk that public land and there's usually Three or four tree stands up around there. And um, every, probably at least once a year, I catch someone on a trail camera walking in or out, something like that, of walking your, in front of it.
0: Of, of your own property, of the, the piece that you hunt?
1: Uh, so, so, no. So, it's, it's my property, and then there's, like, this school property that's unhuntable. And then on the other side of that is public land. Okay. And um, I'll run cameras on the school property. And I'll catch guys on that, even though you're not supposed to have a weapon on there. Um, I'll catch them on that, you know, heading into their tree stand in the morning or something like that. Or I'll catch them, like, looking for, like, I've definitely had my cameras on video mode before. And um, it was in, it was, like, during the rut. I was gone. I was out in Nebraska. And when I came home and checked my camera, I could definitely, like, had, like, three 10-second videos in a row of guys like looking on the ground, like definitely looking like they're following a blood trail. Following blood. So. Huh. Yeah,
0: That's crazy. Yep. Well, and the reason I asked that question is because, you know, I'm going to be going to Michigan this year on a bow hunt and, uh, I'm trying to figure out when I want to go. I, and I, I may, I may be looking for your advice here. I have a, a mule deer hunt. It's going to be a, a five, six day long hunt. It's going to happen. In, it's going to happen in the first two weeks of, uh, October, maybe even into the third week, I'd rather have it, I'd rather have it er- closer to the beginning of October than the end of October. And I'm also going to try to fit uh, a three day Michigan hunt in that time frame. Okay. So with that said, I, I've been talking to a lot of people of when I should do this, this three day hunt. And everybody tells me, dude, if you're going to do it, you got to do it opening day, the second day and the third day, just because every day c- past that there's just more and more and more and more people in in the woods and then the deer just shut off and they go nocturnal and then it's just and then it's the horror stories right of everything you've ever heard bad about Michigan has come out and the, you know people are just like well good luck if you think you you found a honey hole you have not found a honey hole because there's people you know there's so many hunters here that every inch has been scoured at some point the tree stands are all in the best areas you know you know that 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 whole talk Yep. Yep. So my question to you is, should I do my mule deer hunt first or should I do my Michigan hunt first?
1: I would do your mule deer hunt when it's best to do your mule deer hunt and then plan Michigan around that. Yeah,
0: I was I was going to that was going to be my follow up question. And from the from the pure standpoint of like, I don't know, am I a prick if I if I just say because it's a Michigan deer hunt?
1: no 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 I, I mean that's how i feel about it and i live
0: here <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well at least it's at least I could you know i don't feel like such an asshole right when i when i say that but i i do i'm gonna go and i'm gonna give it a hundred percent effort i'm gonna do my scouting i'm gonna do you know i think i'm gonna show up one day before the opener and i'm gonna do a little scouting in some places and find some tree stand locations and, and hopefully uh have an encounter with something but Uh, I feel like, I feel like that hunt is going to be secondary to my mule deer hunt.
1: Yeah. So are you, you're going to hunt Southern Michigan, right?
0: Yeah. I think for the most part, that's where, um, all my Intel's coming in. That's where my buddy lives. Yeah.
1: I would, I would, if you're talking to like Mark Kenyon and Andy May, I would just pick their brain on timing. And it sounds like what those dudes do. I mean, they, they get on bucks like October 1st, 2nd and 3rd pretty consistently. And it's it's I I would think with southern Michigan, you know, it's going to be warmer down there, the beans are all still going to be in, probably yeah. a lot of them still green. It's probably still going to be a high quality food source. So, I would yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say it'd be a bad idea to go the opening opening few days of the season. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm looking me me personally, I'm looking forward to like October 25th through like the 28th, just because like the moon phase. Yeah, um, I don't know what it is, but um, well, it's the moon phase. Um, there's something I- I've noticed it a lot with my property up here. Like that that full moon during October, the the few like the four, five, six days leading up to that full moon in late October has always been when it falls that way. It's always been really good. So, so. you're
0: saying if the full moon is on the last day of October, the five days leading up to that is the best is good to get in the timber.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, man.
0: I, you know, I really wish that I could get on the moon phase bandwagon because I feel like there in maybe in some way, shape or form, it has something to do with deer movement. Maybe, but I've never ever and I've spent a lot of time in the tree stand over the years. All through when I when I was uh younger and I was hunting almost every single day of the season, you know, I if I, you know, get out of work and go hunt that afternoon or spend all that time in the timber I went through a couple of uh seasons where I got laid off from work and then I had to come back later. And, uh, I, I hunted almost every day of October and I wish I could say that the moon phase captivated me and it made me want to focus on it, but I've never personally had any like moon phase scenarios where it's just like, Oh my God, the moon is in, is in control here. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I, I only see it in, in Michigan on, like, one property that I hunt, I hunt three different areas, um, and they're all they're all probably thirty or forty miles apart from each other. There's only one property that I hunt that I really see an influx of activity, according to the moon, and that's not just during October. It's like all it's all parts of the year when I'm watching when I'm studying trail camera movement stuff like that. Just get a lot more like late evening movement those last those five days leading up to the full moon. Now you know, I've been out in the Midwest for anywhere from October 28th into November 18th. And I haven't seen anything to correlate with the moon. So, and then, and then on top of that, there's been, there's other properties that I hunt where I don't see, I mean, deer just stay nocturnal like all of October and they don't really start showing up during daylight till November. So yeah, I think it's just, I think it's just area dependent.
0: Yeah, so. I, I feel you, man. I'm trying to, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure all this this out because September, I'm not going on an elk hunt, and I want to make the I want to make the, the if I could, here's what I would do, I would go, and it's just it, it, October lay's funny this year because October first is on a Thursday, and. That opening weekend, I have a feeling, is going to be slammed. But if I go hunt Michigan on, on that Thursday and Friday, that I think it, the timber will be less than it will that weekend. Right? If oh, that makes
1: for, sense. I'll, 100%. Yeah. yeah.
0: So everybody's going to go out on that weekend, the opening weekend. But if I get a day or two before that uh, out there, that would be good. However, that pushes my mule deer hunt – back to like, if I do that and then I come home and I tell my wife, okay, I'm going again. That's going to not, that's not going to happen. Right. So if I do it that way, then I'm going to have to push my mule deer hunt back to the 12th, which is the, the, the second full week of the month. And I'll tell you right now, last year, it was nice outside a couple days, but it, it got down to like 25 degrees at night, a couple nights and it starts to get cold and the weather started to change and it um we had to leave two days early because we wanted to get ahead of a blizzard where it dumped like eight to 12 inches of snow in the area so i just don't want that to happen to where i you know we push this mule deer hunt back and i'm going with another guy right so i kind of have to bend to what he wants to do as well so it's not just me but uh I just don't want to have really crappy cold weather on this mule deer hunt.
1: Right. No doubt. What state are you hunting for
0: mule deer? South Dakota.
1: South Dakota. Gotcha. Yeah. I wouldn't, man, I just wouldn't think that they would have that bad of weather in mid-October.
0: Oh, dude. Last year, it was October 7th, 6th or 7th, and they had a gigantic blizzard come through. Montana. Wow. Let's see. It was Montana north south dakota all got slammed wow yeah yeah i think parts of montana got like 14 inches of snow over a two-day period in October. yeah
1: yeah i was i was elk hunting in idaho in late september and we definitely were hunting in snow and that was not it's not fun
0: yeah so you're telling me you're telling me i should worry worry about the mule deer hunt first and then do the then do the michigan hunt
1: well yeah i would i would put more priority on the on the mule deer hunt i mean you can kill a white tail i get it you're going to michigan to kill a white tail but you're also going to hunt iowa to kill a white tail like the mule deer is like a more of a special unique hunt you've never killed a mule deer right
0: uh no i have not
1: so yeah that would just that would just take priority yeah in in my world, it would just take priority. Yeah,
0: so. I, I'm pretty sure I agree with you. I, I think that's what I'm going to lean uh, lean towards. Um, and then let's see. So then that pushes me back to like coming to Michigan during the October lull. You know what I mean? Like uh, I'll spend a weekend in Iowa and then spend that whole probably that whole, I guess four days. And then probably come to Michigan on a on a weekend or a late week, like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday type hunt. Be back late Sunday night, uh, right in the middle of the quote unquote lull after you know the whole the, the state's been pressured, right? And well, I guess it just makes me you know it's going to have to make me work harder for what I want.
1: Yeah, I think you'll I think you'll be good, man. I mean. You've got some really good resources to pull off of, and then, um, like again, Southern Michigan, man. It's it's a that's a lot better hunting down there than than Northern Michigan where I'm at. So, I got
0: you. I got you. Yep. So when you when you hunt, are you hunting mostly Northern Michigan, or do you make trips down south?
1: No, all northern Michigan. I don't. I don't ever hunt in southern Michigan. I don't have any, like, I don't have any ground down there. No leases. No permission. Something like that. Mark Kenyon will never respond to me when I want to hunt his farm. <laughs> so, <laughs> that prick. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, no, it's. Uh, and I like. I mean, there's definitely quality bucks up here. Um, I mean, every single year it seems like I've I've got consistent trail camera pictures of a solid 4-year-old deer just catching up with them in October is, is is pretty tough. Um I've talked to a couple buddies um just about, you know, with the whole COVID thing going on, um right now, you know, all the states are still like accepting all the applications and stuff like that for non-resident hunting, but if for whatever reason some big outbreak happens in the fall and they, you know, refund everyone their money for their licenses and stuff like that and we can't go out of state for the rut i'll be excited to hunt the rut in michigan it's been it's been five years since i've done that so um and then maybe i'll be able to catch up with a um an older buck in michigan for
0: for once so i don't know we'll see so what's so what's your overall schedule look like
1: uh, right now, I think, so right now I'm going to Montana, September, Oh, uh, September like 10th to the 20th. And then my wife flies out and we hunt Idaho from September 20th to the 30th. And then, um, I go back to, and I hunt Michigan for all of October. And then my wife and I go to Nebraska like October 29th to November 8th. And then um, if we draw Iowa, a buddy and I go to Iowa, I want to say like November like 14th to the 24th, something okay. like that.
0: Okay. So how many points are of, you drawing with in Iowa?
1: Uh, just one. Just one. So we applied as a group. There's three of us that all have one point. And we applied as a group. So um, we, sh- we we should be okay. It would be – yeah, there was supposed to be four of us, but uh, one of our buddies went ahead and him and his wife got pregnant, so he had to bow out. So, <laughs>
0: Damn kids.
1: Yeah, but no, I think we'll be all right. I th- also, like, I think there might, there's a chance that less people may have applied just because of everything going on right now. Yeah, So,
0: man, I wish, uh, when is the application process for Iowa? May second to June seventh. Okay, so, man, I wonder if that guy with this year, that guy with two points, let's just say two or three points, uh, and there's certain parts of the state that typically draw off of you know four or five points. If that guy says, you know what, I'm going to try to draw one of you know the opposite of point creep due to yep. this, right? So you're going to be able to get into a better unit for less amount of points. I wonder if that's happening, if that's going to happen in the Western States too. I I have a, I have a feeling it it will.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, a good, like I said, I think we were talking about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, a good indication. It's not whitetail related, but a good indication is going to be Idaho leftover or Montana leftover tags. If there's leftover elk tags in Montana, um, that's that's going to be the first time that's happened in like two or three years yeah. Um, and then if if there's still Idaho elk tags available in late August that would be that'd be rare because last year Idaho sold out of their elk tags um, like a, uh, on a record date like the earliest they've ever sold out I don't know what the date was I think it was sometime in July but yeah those, those will be two indicators to look at. And then, um, I don't know, I think the, the thing with the thing with Iowa is you don't know if you draw till like, July 25th. Yeah. So then it's like, all right, you, dr- you draw, and then my buddy and I are going to go out there and, and scout. And we've been out there once, you know, two years ago. So, And we've stayed in touch with all the landowners and stuff like that. So kind of need to go get out there, kind of go shake hands with all them again and you know do some scouting get some cameras up get some tree stands up stuff like that so you kind of get crammed doing that at you know in august and then boom you get a, a month back home and you're turning around and leaving again for
0: an elk hunt so yeah man yeah i wish i could do some of that stuff like i think i think i would be way more of an efficient hunter if i could just spend like two days out in wherever I want to go out West just to do a little scouting. Right. Oh yeah. Boots on the ground. And, but it's just so hard to, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for me to hop in my truck and go to my main farm. I I take that back. It's not easy, but it's easier to plan a weekend, like not next weekend, but the weekend after, uh, or not this upcoming weekend, but the weekend after I'm actually heading down to my main farm to put out trail cameras, mineral, mineral, tree stands and start setting the farm up for uh this upcoming year and uh i don't know do you have like uh i call them work weekends where i i just go and like set up uh, cut shooting lanes if i need to oh yeah you know make sure all the trail cameras are working make sure if i did leave a tree stand up the straps or straps and cables are all in working order do you have uh work weekends
1: oh big time man um with my line of work, I'm on call every fourth week, and that weekend I just use that. And I rarely get called out, so I just use that weekend to do whitetail work because I know it's no really point in hanging out with friends or anything like that. Can't go visit family, I got to stay within uh, a half hour of my, my work, so um, yeah, I use those weekends to, to get all my stuff done.
0: So you you're out there doing your whitetail stuff and then all of a sudden you get a call and you're like, well, okay, at least I can stop this. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah, I got you. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, and then on top of that, I mean, it's a wastewater treatment plant and you can log into everything on your phone. So like if I do get called for anything, I can like log in and see what's going on, potentially fix it right from my phone, stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm gonna change the topic here a second, and I'm reading through this text message that you sent me,
1: dude. And... I was on a I was a mess <laughs> yesterday.
0: <laughs> I have to read this. Uh, let's see. I'm, where's it at? Where's it at? Where's it at? I gotta find it because the the wording. Man, where's that? Dan, I have a gear problem. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh so are you like it's is it like being addicted. I've never been addicted to drugs per se, but I is is and I don't know if you have, maybe you have, maybe have it, but uh is this problem you have with gear what's what's it like? I wanna I wanna walk through this with you.
1: Dude, I have done some like self evaluating about it and there's multiple things that I think I think, number one, I I start researching gear. Right. And it always starts off with, like, one piece of gear, and then I start searching forums, and someone, reco- like, recommends this. Uh, like, let's take spotting scopes, for instance. Okay. Um, so I was looking at – so here's what happened. This is what set it all off. The Vortex on their Instagram page said we're offering 40% off to – uh, medical professionals for being on the front lines of this whole COVID thing. Well, my wife is a physician, so boom, I get her set up with a Vortex account, gets approved, 40% off. Sweet. I'm looking at their spotting scopes and stuff like that. I don't need a spotting scope. The style I hunt, like I don't, I would never use a spotting scope. But here I am looking at spotting scopes. So I'm doing research on Vortex spotting scopes, and I'm kind of not really liking what I'm seeing, and I'm like – I'm gaining all this knowledge about spotting scopes and what makes them good and what, you know, comparing and contrasting. And then I, next thing I know, I'm like, I'm, I'm on Archery Talk, looking on that forum, reading about spotting scopes. And then I'm on Rockslide, looking on that forum about spotting scopes. And then I'm just doing like deep Google searches for like sale prices on a certain spotting scope. And next thing you know, like this little, this little Instagram ad, for vortex just it planted a seed and then for two weeks i watered it and then boom i bought a leupold spotting scope so wait a second
0: how how are you how are you motivated to buy a leupold when vortex is offering you 40 percent off
1: because the loophole that I found was from last year, and the company that is selling it was selling it for fifty percent off. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I got a, I got a. It was like on Loophole site, it's like thirteen hundred bucks, and on the site I found it, um, it was like six hundred and twenty. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, and, and like it's a quality spotter, and I was like, and then I, you know, then I bought the phone scope thing, and I'm thinking like. Social media content, like I've I've always dreamt of like doing like the preseason scouting for whitetails with like the big spotter with yep. the phone scope and getting like sweet photos, yep, and, and video and stuff like that. And that's and it is a it is a goal of mine that I set for myself that I would do more preseason like like preseason like visual scouting like glassing and stuff like that. I yeah. like set a goal for myself, and so yeah, I, I like I just easily talk myself
0: into it so yeah dude my i'll tell you what my my vortex spotting scope i got the razor that thing is sick and i don't know how i would have been able to hunt the way we hunted out in south dakota looking for these mule deer without i mean our our binos would have had to been pretty pretty powerful and i don't have the biggest set of binoculars you know when i when i bought my uh when I bought my binoculars all those years ago, I had, um, I'm trying to think, uh, I, I knew that someday I wanted to go out west, but I didn't have any plans to, so I bought a, a power a little bit greater than what they recommended for your average whitetail hunt, right? So then I then I start going out west and I see that the binoculars that I have are just a step underneath of what I probably, they they work great but what I probably want, you know, what, what I need, it works for, for that. But what I want is probably another step higher yet. But with the spotting scope that I had, man, this year, it made a world of difference being able to identify, you know, is that a, is that a buck or is that a doe kind of cruising through, through there? Because at that, at over a mile away, you can't, a, a set of binoculars, you're not going to be able to see any de- defining characteristics as opposed to a spotting scope where you're actually able to see what they're doing, where they're going and what they are. Right. So, right.
1: Yeah. No. And that's, I mean, And I, I don't know when I'll hunt mule deer, but I know that I'll need a spotting scope yeah. for mule deer hunting for, for, exactly what you just said yeah. for, for white tails. I don't, you know, the preseason, you know, long-range scouting, yeah, spotting scope is going to come in handy. Could I just have used like my video camera that's got like 30x zoom on it? Probably. Yeah. Um, elk hunting. Uh, I don't where I elk hunt. There's so much timber. I don't see myself using a spotting scope. Yeah. And also, I'm not a trophy hunter either, so it's like I don't need to identify if it's a 350-inch bull. Or you know a 325 inch bull, like first cow or raghorn that comes out that I get a shot at, like, like I'm sending it. I don't, yeah. I don't care.
0: Yeah, that's so. a good point. That's definitely a good point. So, so <laughs> you went down the rabbit hole of buying and dude, I, I, I'm the same way. Except I'm so cheap. I I I very rarely pull the trigger unless it's something that just a blows me away. Or B, you know, I'm, the only thing that I typically buy that is impulse is like hot hands and screwing screw in, uh, bow hangers and, you know, the things that you walk into Walmart or wherever two days before the season starts and you just load up on the things that, you know, those little items, the knick-knack items, the almost disposable items that you need, right? You can't, for me, it's like a can of, uh, uh, Oh, shoot. Uh, nose jammer, can of nose jammer, some uh like a handful of screw in bow, bow holders or screw in hangers and uh you know maybe a new stocking cap or something, you know like a carhartt stocking cap just in case. And that's but everything else that I purchase is on my radar for a long period of time. I generally have to save for it, right? And and I don't because I know what I want right and then i say okay i need to put this much money away for x number of months and then i can make the purchase that's how i, right. I guess, that's how and, i operate but by the, by that yeah. time i talk myself out of that specific thing because i when it comes to gear the 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 boots the socks the clothing the hats you know the the bow the arrows and stuff i have had more experiences with shitty products at a cheaper price breaking than i have had with you know, me saving my money for a high quality product and spending more. You know, the the whole cry once, buy once type mentality, as opposed to, oh uh, shit, I should have I should have spent a hundred extra dollars on this because it it's now broken or doesn't work.
1: Yeah, that's and that's really. I mean, I do a lot of research. I mean, hours and hours, and I read multiple opinions on on forums and stuff like that. So I feel like I'm always making a pretty educated purchase um but i'm I'm the same way it's how i was raised you just you buy once you have it last you forever and and you're done with it so and it was yeah the the other problem is that the vortex site though um the the actual spotter that i wanted was out of stock Ah. and and yeah so i had kind of i'd gotten approval from the wife to buy it um obviously because i'm like creating an account with her credentials. So yeah. I was like, "Don't even let me create this account if you're not going to let me buy a spotting scope." You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> so, so she was good with it. Now there was a certain price point I wanted to stick with and and the one that I I think it was a razor that I was going to get and it was yeah. out of stock.
0: Yeah. So, that's too bad, man. Vortex uh obviously they're a partner of the podcast here, but um that that uh, discount that they're offering to medical professionals. And wh- what was it? First line. It's like first line of defense. Like yeah. Firefighters yeah. and police officers and uh, nurses and anybody who works in a medical profession basically uh, is getting a 40% discount. That's crazy. Like not a lot of companies are doing that.
1: Right. So, right. No, it was, I mean, yeah, it was, it was, I was blown away to see it. And then I read all the, I read a bunch of comments on their Instagram page there was a bunch of guys, you know, bitching about, oh, what about the truck driver or what about uh, the other yeah. percent? That's like, Nobody's I want to be like, well, first of all, like nothing's even in stock in spotting scopes anymore. So it's really not that big a deal. I mean, I kind of was like, don't don't worry about it. There's there's always deals somewhere on the Internet if you scour yeah. it deep enough. Yeah,
0: so I feel you. I feel you. So, uh, are you going through any therapy for this uh, disease you have?
1: No, it just need It's called self control, and I need to find it. I don't know where it is. So. Yeah,
0: man. I tell you what. I was really close to buying a pretty expensive sleeping bag the other day, like over five for for it. And they had other models that were would go into like the eight hundred. Dollar price range
1: like like oh like over 500 dollars for a sleeping bag
0: yeah holy uh, cow but it's an american made and uh when i talked with a guy he said uh most of our sleeping bags last 20 years okay so break that down however you want to break it down right to me that's worth it if if oh yeah if a, if a product's going to last 20 years i don't care what it is uh, it, I'd pay $500 for it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So whatever. All right. So let's see here. What else was on the docket today? Uh, you're, you have a, a spending problem or you're, de- you're you're you're, you're working on it. You're working on it. It's like Michael, yeah. it's like Michael yeah. Jordan. You're like Michael Jordan. You have a gambling problem, but you, instead of gambling, you just like to buy hunting gear.
1: Yeah. So when you asked me to be the co-host on the Honey Gear podcast, I was like,
0: "Yeah, no, that's I, perfect." I feel I like, like <laughs> I feel like I am now an enabler, right? Oh yeah. It's like, hey, man, come on, come on, Bob, just come on. I gotta, on. I on, gotta buy it.
1: <laughs> I gotta, I gotta buy it. I gotta buy it, Jen. It's for the
0: podcast. Your your yeah. wife. Do, we've I've never met your wife, but she probably hates me.
1: No, no, no. But, She's a. Uh, she actually, I remember one time we were hanging out. She was she had got to the beach before me, and I walked up, and I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm listening to a, a podcast by Dan Johnson. Do you know him? And I was like, yeah. And this was like two years ago before you and I really knew each other. She's like, yeah, he's talking about, like, thermals when you're hunting and stuff like that. And I was like, I've been talking to you about thermals for, like, three years. Like, why? Like, why? 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 <laughs> <do>
0: you- <laughs> Dude, I am so <laughs> glad you brought this up because now this has turned into a relationship podcast where I say the same thing, I say one thing to my wife, my wife will ask me a question and I will I will tell her an answer and she's be she'll be like, yeah, whatever, right? And Then she'll go to her friend or her friend's husband or our neighbor or whoever, and they'll say the same damn thing that I said. And then she'll be like, Well, yeah, hey, Dan, we should do this. I'm like, I told you this last month. Oh, yeah. So she doesn't, it's like, she she doesn't listen to me. And it, it, no, I I I laugh. I laugh at that.
1: Yeah. I, um, I pulled a kind of fast one on my wife. She's, um, She's a decent archery shot, but she definitely has, like, some target panic when it comes to actually, like, killing an animal. Yeah. Um. And I was, like, you know, I'm always trying to, like, help her and, like, help her, like, break it down mentally. So she's calmer during that whole process. Yep. And I think she just blows me off. So I reached out to, like, an archery instructor and signed us up, signed both of us up for some archery lessons. And it's, like, 50 bucks for, like, an hour or something like that. And I was, like... Hey, would you be interested in doing that? She's like, "Yeah, I think that'd be really beneficial for me." And I was just like, "Well, you don't want to listen to me about anything with archery because you can do it yourself." But the moment I bring a professional in, going to
0: tell you the exact you. same thing that I've told I've told you, but I'm just right. paying fifty bucks for it.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Uh, so, that's yeah. that's funny. Uh, marriage, anyway. Oh yeah, <laughs> right, right. Well, let's see here, uh, 52 minutes and 38 seconds now into this podcast and, uh, into this recording anyway, Bob, any, any final words before we close it out today?
1: Not too much, man. I don't know. Uh, I'll say one thing, I don't know what it is, but yeah, I have gotten like, I don't know if it's cause like everything's on lockdown, like not lockdown, but like, there's just not a lot going on in the yeah. world right now you can't go out and like hang out with friends you can't go be like dinner dates or anything like that so all you really can do is kind of like plan daydream daydream yeah. yeah and i don't know i just i've got like this bug about you know the upcoming season the upcoming fall season like elk hunting and and white tail hunting and i just find myself more and more like on onyx maps and just like scouring maps and just literally like trying to like, okay, day one of our elk hunt, we're going to go here. And it's like, dude, that's, that's four months away. You have no idea what day one's actually going to bring. Yeah. So it's uh yeah, I don't know. It's just getting to be that time of year. And then with whitetail, I don't know, it's just getting more and more excited about antler growth and getting cameras out and just watching that progression. So, yeah, that's, um,
0: that's for sure, man. I'll tell you right now uh I'm ready to get out and do something big. Like, I've been... We've been stuck at home to the point where we can't go visit family, really. We can't go do... We can't go to... I mean, hell, even certain state parks are closed around here still. And this weekend, we are going up to northeast Iowa to my in-laws. They have a trailer there or like a a camper, pull-behind camper, but we're going to be renting a cabin while we're up there and we're going to be fishing. And I tell you what, as... If my if my father-in-law says hey let's go let's go fishing i'm gonna fish until my arms fall off like that that just sounds fun to me
1: absolutely especially early in the morning With like are you on a lake
0: uh mississippi river backwaters so there's parts of it that feel like a lake
1: gotcha yeah there's nothing better than springtime i don't know birds chirping waking up with waking up with the earth basically
0: That's a fact. Ripping some lips, my man.
1: Do it up. Good luck to
0: you. Yeah, you too, man. Hey, thanks for hopping on. You guys, everybody else, stay safe out there. And uh, Bob, I'll talk to you next time.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Dan.
0: And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Bob for taking time out of his day to hop on. He's almost... He's a little co-hostish. He's he's got he's got co-host mentality on this podcast whenever he's on and I appreciate Bob for hopping on when he does. Huge shout out to all of you and I mean this and I say it a lot, but thank you very much for tuning in and listening and supporting the Nine Finger Chronicles and the Sportsman's Nation. That means a lot. If you're not already if you're not already subscribed to The Nine Finger Chronicles, go to iTunes or wherever you download, search Nine Finger Chronicles, right? Three words, all spelled out, and subscribe, right? That's the best way to get this podcast into your ears and uh, be sure to, you know, check out all of our partners this podcast we have the average conservationist vortex optics lone wolf portable tree stands wasp archery and uh ozonic scent elimination all these companies are are badass products and the people who work for these uh, companies are participants in the market that they sell their products in and that's that's means something to me so thank you very much Hopefully everybody's continuing to wash their hands and practice whatever safety measures you want to practice right now in this crazy world we live in. Just be safe. And uh, remember, think about others before yourself. And I think when, when we all do that, uh, it makes a great day and uh, it makes more people happy. And I think happiness is what we need right now. So uh, be good and I'll talk to you next time.